Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Listenable, a podcast Dylan and I do about disability. Dylan, how would you describe this podcast for someone listening for the first time? Mate, we talk about disability in quite a fun, raw, disruptive kind of way, which Ooh. I really like. And I think one of the cool parts about it is not you and I, we like to think we know what we're doing, but mm-hmm. really it is powered by our guests. And we're going to get into our guest next, and he's definitely more famous than both of us. Oh, absolutely. Like, Without a way. doubt. Not even combined times two. He's Do like we even proper get to superstar. the precipice we're, we're of our next We're both crushing you and I, actually. So um, we'll, we'll get into him in a second. First, I just want to read out a message we got on Facebook from Emily Walton. Uh, thank you to everyone who follows us on social, gets involved with us in the DMs. Uh, this one in particular about um, Emily just wrapped up listening to the Alex the Astronaut episode. Yep. Uh, and Emily said this. I'm partway through listening to the latest episode with Alex the Astronaut. What I love about that is I feel like she stopped it, was so compelled to write the message, to write the message before she even got to the end. Uh, or she, or she said, I felt compelled to say a huge thank you. I'm a mother of three daughters with my middle daughter having a diagnosis of autism. I pride myself in being a proud advocate of the past 17 years of her life. However, this episode, as positive as it is, brought me to tears as I realise I've been holding up a barrier in regards to my eldest daughter. She severely struggled with social anxiety through her teens. At 23, was diagnosed with inattentive ADHD, apparently quite common for girls who were misdiagnosed. It was just recently she talked about whether it might be autism. I openly supported her, but just couldn't see it. But this episode could have been the interview with her specifically, and I feel it helped me knock down a wall I didn't realise I'd built. It's quite confronting to understand this. Thank you to Alex and her story, to everyone at Listenable for everything you do. Each interview has the power to change lives. That's beautiful. How good's that? What I will say is we don't really try and do that, do we, Gus? We just no. Think, we just no. try and be ourselves and, and talk to interesting people about their lives, and it is definitely driven by the vulnerability of our guests, really, even like yeah. Alex going into that. You and I just ask some dumb questions sometimes that maybe get some good answers, but hearing that is pretty effing awesome. So thank you very much to her. Are but we, also, Can we, we call ourselves doctors now? Is that what you're trying to say? Not, we definitely, I don't think we're doctors. Um, can we legally try and get We doctors? can try. I think it takes us five years of education okay, to study. Cool. Okay. Uh, but once again, Dylan and I are simply the speak pipe for these guests. Like uh, we had a couple of weeks ago, Taylor Clement, that story was yeah. incredible. Uh, of the man of Juniper diagnosing her daughter from listening to our episode. And once again, Alex, the astronaut, we are literally just able to give a platform to these stories which are changing life. So thank you to our guests and thank you for the people reaching out. Uh, I think we have spoken enough because I'm I'm so excited to get this, uh, this next guest on. And we should mention, it sounds like a house is being built for the first 15 minutes of it. We're, we're going to edit it as best we can. Uh, and it does get better. We promise it fixes itself. The the bookshelf is it built. It's like a full-blown commercial construction site. For it, we, I minutes. think we mentioned it's like he's on the block week two. It is ridiculously bangy. And Early usually, on, we didn't know this and we just kept no. going with it. So please battle on. It's a great chat. Yeah. He's a legend. It's pretty hard to re- hear. So see if you notice it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's let him introduce himself. Oh, uh, yeah. Hi, Dylan. That's you. Hi. You guys are awesome, and Emily, that's a, an amazing message. It's it's incredible what you're up to. You're one of those unseen miracle workers. Uh, my name is Tim Ferguson, talking about disability, which is one of the most exciting uh, topics on earth because it is the next wave, and we know it's the next wave because nobody knows it's coming. I like that. Now I think the world is starting to wake up to the simple fact that the next wave, the next human economic wave, 
is going to be peopled by people with disability. And if, you, if you're thinking, oh, my God, I've never heard that, it's because you're one of the ignorant people. But I know that Angus and Dylan are all over it. And our audience as well. What I will say is it's almost like you've done some broadcasting before, Tim. You're not bad at this. <laughs> not that's a bad not storyteller. A, that's not a bad opening by you. You wanted me to introduce myself, so I figured I'd go galloping into a topic, even though it might be the wrong topic. That's what we want. You might have wanted to talk like to me about no. hair care products and that sort of thing, and I can do that. Well, I'd, li- I'd like to start, Tim, um, by saying thank you. Uh, I have a vivid memory, and it's a beautiful memory, of being at 220 Scott Street in Warwicknabil, uh, which is a regional Victorian town, And I remember being with my family, including members who aren't with us anymore, my grandpa, and sitting on the couch and watching Don't Forget Your Toothbrush. (laughs) And it was a show that uh, brought our family together on Channel 9. I can't remember what night it was, uh, Tim. Yeah, they put it on the most excited, the biggest audience night of the week, which is Tuesday following the other biggest night, Monday, which is, yeah, if you want a lot of people to watch, you go early in the week because Everybody's out on Friday. Everybody's out on Saturday. That's what people watching Hey Hey were doing. They were getting ready to go out and party. But I um I went back for a nostalgic look uh, while I was at the gym this morning on the bike and I watched a full episode, 45 minutes of Don't Forget Your Toothbrush and had chills. It just took me back to that memory being with my family. And I said to Dylan, this show today still stacks up as genius stopping in the audience and just saying, excuse me, Jessica Marie, the shock of the audience member, do you own a pair of bunny slippers? And then her face dropping and the realisation and then crossing to a live camera of a producer out at a a Vinny's bin and saying, I'll give you $500 if you throw these out right now. And I was just, the the live theatre of it, live TV, I was just enamoured with this. I just thought this, and it just kept going. Someone had 15 seconds in a room to kill a, a fly. Uh, and at the, and I was going, oh, this wouldn't work in 2022. But there you are, you bring out a little affidavit of the fly saying, I give permission to be killed on this TV show. <laughs> I was watching it going, wow. I mean, some of you... It needs to be recreated, but it should never be recreated because it was just so good. So thank you. Are you trying to angle as the new host? I, I wouldn't do it justice. Nobody could. It, you were so amazing in that role, so energised, so perfect, and uh, just, mate, thank you so much for so many great hours spent with my family as a kid. No worries, Angus. You know, the reason why we had the affidavit written by the fly was because it was the second fly on Don't Forget Your Toothbrush. Uh, this was the first one was Larry the Fly. And right. Larry Larry the Fly, the idea was we'll give you whatever it was, 10000 bucks, and I think we gave the woman a daffodil and we let the fly out in this giant Perspex box where we're building we're building here. <laughs> I was going to say, did you just kill a fly in the background? Did he, did he kill a fly? That sounds the like fly, you're killing, okay? killing flies at your house. And the idea was you let the fly out and then she has to run around the 10 by 10 perspex box and kill the thing. Of course, the fly had been in a jar all day, so it just jumped out, fell on the ground. She whacked it with the daffodil um. and got the money. But people complained because it's television. There's always someone who's going to complain. A, a question for you then around that uh, on the topic of don't forget your toothbrush. Um, do you think that, I mean, you, you were perfect for that role. And we'll get to your disability in a second, but you do uh, live life in a, in a wheelchair. You're a chair user. Do you think... If you were in a chair 
back in that era you would have had the role or because, I mean, there were so many stairs it involved climbing up through the audience. Do you think you would have been, got a look in? Well, I had MS at the time. I'd been diagnosed uh, long before the show started. But because I had oh, right. relapsing, remitting uh, symptoms in the sense that they come, they go, you know, that's what they call it. So a lot of people can have MS and never know it. So uh, I couldn't have hosted Don't Forget Your Toothbrush by running up and down the stairs, but I certainly had a disability. I just wasn't telling anybody about it. If you look at old tapes, you'll be able to see my eyes are quite clearly crossed. Oh. Which made me look kind of like Barbara Streisand, but my there was something wrong with my eyes, which was just like, that guy, he's just, I don't know, he's just so funny and people didn't work it out. Why didn't you tell anyone, Tim? Tell me why. Well, a lot of people with invisible disabilities keep it to themselves because, you know, why freak everybody out? Because then everybody's, oh, my God, well, you know, what do we do? And when you say the answer to that is we well, don't do anything, you just carry on as normal, uh, there are some jobs like, you know, hosting a national television show where you can't rely on TV executives or producers to be cool, calm and relaxed about the fact that you've got a disability. So I kept it to myself. And, you know, I wouldn't tell people one way or another if they've got an invisible disability. It's up to them whether they want to put it on their T-shirt or just, you know, go about their lives. Um, eventually, when I was had a walking stick, I just got people asking me all the time, what's the stick about? Why are you, why are you walking with a walking stick? Because you know how they say Australians, uh, we're so upfront, we're so easygoing. We also pester people a lot. And we'll stop people in the street and ask them shit like, well, you know, what's wrong with the stick, mate? What's with the stick? Australians are very blunt, which is not an attractive quality, but it does speed up their imprisonment. So, yeah, there are a lot of people out there with disabilities who just don't tell anyone. And you're right. It's up to them if they want to tell anybody, especially at work. Like if, if there is cultures that is inclusive within a workplace, you're more likely to tell people because you feel like you won't face unconscious bias, whatever it is. I imagine in the TV industry back when you were filming Don't Forget Your Toothbrush, disability was just nil, zero. So if you come out and say that, you would have faced that bias and might not have got the opportunities you wanted. However, do you think it's got better? Do you think now if you were, say, hosting the project or whatever and you could come out and say, do you think you would get discriminated against these days or do you think there'd be more opportunity? I don't know. I don't think TV executives have changed. They're still the same short-sighted people in the wrong job. But at the moment, no, they're TV executives. They're too terrified. What, are they going to take a risk on someone in a wheelchair? But what if his head falls off? But that could happen to anybody. Tim, you said that you had, uh, you know, you knew that you had your disability or MS was on set as you were filming. Did you use the term attacks? Can, or, and could you describe what those attacks sort of meant? Oh, yeah. Right. So like an MS attack. So your immune system starts eating the stuff called myelin, which is like the rubber tubing around the nerves in your central nervous system. And then the nerves start to fritz because they're not covered from each other. What will happen is that your myelin gets eaten, mostly because your immune system notices that you're tired or you're run down or you're stressed. And so it goes, oh, man, how about this myelin stuff? It looks alien, and so it eats that. So it's one of the dumbest conditions a human body can do to itself, uh, apart from 
you know, try to put itself up for election. So what happens is your wires get crossed or they stop working and the next thing you know, your brain's not talking to your foot. So it just stops working or it starts hurting or it starts kicking around like it's got, you know, its own business to do. When did you first go full public with your MS and what was the response, especially from industry? I went on uh, Good News Week with Paul McDermott and, you know, we did a funny sketch and and I mentioned along the way, yes, this is what my walking stick's about. And in industry terms, there was no backlash. Nobody called me up and said, it's over. Don't call us again. It just meant that the next time we went in pitching, people were like, oh, yeah, 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 and they just never called back, So, which is okay because it's only television. Jeez, there's plenty of other ways to make a living. How did you feel, brother, when the execs didn't say to your face, no chance, but you deep down knew? How did it genuinely make you feel? Oh, I'd already moved on. I'd already made plans that I was going to do writing. Uh, Ten years before, I thought if everything goes south, then I better learn how to write movies and write TV. And I didn't mind that TV went away. Most of them are pricks anyway. Is comedy different for you now that you are living in a chair? Has comedy changed? Do you see different humour? Comedy, I've got to say, is easier. When you're in a wheelchair, as soon as you come on, the audience is a little bit more nervous than they would be if you were an able-bodied Yahoo, as in most new comics. You go on in a wheelchair, the audience is already like, what's going to happen? What's he going to do? Can he laugh at himself? Is there anything funny about being in a wheelchair? And Dylan, well, you're in one. There is a lot of funny shit that's in wheelchairs. Mm-hmm. I think also giving the audience the permission to laugh along with you is something that they get nervous about. Mm. It's like watching a car. It's like watching a car crash. They're like, "Should we? Should we?" And then you're like, "Oh, he's taking the piss out of himself." You know, not that they're going to make really, you know, ableist jokes, but they're like, "Ah, oh, that's actually funny. I'm allowed to laugh at that," which is good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, laughter is a response to danger. There's risk to uh, being part of a society. There's risk to money. There's physical risk, which is where slapstick comedy comes from. No one's ever walked out of our shows, even the Doug Anthony All-Stars who toured only a couple of years ago to the UK and that went well, so we went back and did it again and again. We treat me terribly. Like they call me the talking beanbag, but the audience laughs. It's like, oh, my God, you know, you're making it more real and accessible as opposed to when people are in wheelchairs, the comedy in their lives has stopped. It's like, what? No, you're still human. Stuff is funny. And if it's, uh, you know, the personal dark and scary stuff, well, then you just have new material. Mm. Well, I mean, I use humor to normalize my disability, always have. It's been a good avenue for me to make friends and things like that, obviously. Using it as a career now in, in TV and radio and whatever. How do you negotiate, though, the fine line where, you might be able to say something, but then somebody else says something that's pretty ableist and offensive. Are you okay with everything or are there some things that when it comes back to you that you find off limits? You know, like I'm I'm pretty good, but there'll be some things I read, I'm like, you're a dickhead, you know? And I'm okay with just calling that person a dickhead and moving on. But for some people with disability, obviously it really affects them, their mental health, things like that. How do you negotiate that line? Well, it's much easier when you've got it. You know, here's something very embarrassing that happened to me this morning because, you know, my legs don't work. If 
someone wants to feel badly about that or feel that that triggers them, they're not looking at it the right way and they're not looking at what I'm trying to do the right way. I'm here to make people see disability in a different light, to relax about it so they can start talking about it. I don't think I've ever had anybody complain. The only one complaint I had was somebody wrote on the internet, he's too happy and positive about it. Doesn't he realize how difficult it is? It's like, well, yeah, but me not being positive and happy about it isn't going to help anybody. Oh my God, I've got MS and I just want people to stop laughing for a minute because I want to talk about it for a minute. Much better to be positive and I'm happy to be condemned for being positive and happy. You can take me out and sue me. I was watching a doco, I think it was, Tim, about the Doug Anthony All-Stars, about you travelling when you first went over to the UK and did the shows, right? And something that was eye-opening, not for me because I'm used to it, but would have been for the viewer, especially comedy, is the lack of accessibility in comedy cellars, stages, music industry. Always either an attic or a basement. Oh, always, right? Was it a bit gut-wrenching when you realised you were going to join the disability community that you were now cooked as such for out of a lot of geeks? How did you navigate that? And I guess what are you trying to do or can we do to help change it? Uh, we were at uh, a big theatre, a big national theatre, and someone realised only when we turned up, oh, we have no ramp and we have no lift. So it was like, well, hang on, I'm kind of in a wheelchair. Someone should have mentioned this. So we got uh, Matt, who was uh, travelling with us, who was, you could only describe him as perhaps the biggest unit you've ever seen in your life. And he carried me and the chair up five flights of stairs to get to the stage. But that was the thing that made the theatre so guilty. They now have a lift and they've got ramps. Um, the Melbourne Comedy Festival had a comedy club, they called it. And I was doing a show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival and it turns out they didn't have a lift and they didn't have a disability bathroom and they just, well, you know. So I kind of kicked up a rumpus and now they've got a venue that has a lift and disability bathrooms. And I said, you need a disability bathroom for two reasons. One, so people with a disability can go in there, have more room, and sometimes you need two people in there to get all the valves and plugs moving. But the other reason is so that so that people can go and have sex there and have more <laughs> room and some privacy. <laughs> have you christened it? Uh, yes, yes, in both senses because yes, you know, yes. that's why they've got the wheelchair on the door. Don't tell me they're not useful. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think, you know, you talk about, allowing your friends through the Doug Anthony All-Stars and having that comfortability with those people who know you best and talking about disability as somebody with a disability on stage, do you think it's funny for people to make jokes if they're able-bodied about people with disability? Oh, it depends on the joke. It depends on what they're trying to say with the joke. I mean, you know, every joke can easily be pulled apart where you can find what the the intent of the comedian is, like what's really being said. I don't mind. If someone wants to tell an ableist joke, okay, I think the audience is wise enough to be able to go, boo, or that's not right. I mean, people are aware. But otherwise, I'm happy for a person with disability to be in funny material, so long as there's a point. My thing when I teach comedy is, 
that you can talk about anything, any topic at all. It's just if you're not quite sure what to do, you make the antagonist the butt of the joke. You make the person doing the bad thing be the butt of the joke. So it depends what you're trying to say. If someone's just trying to laugh at, you know, someone with vision impairment, if that's where the joke starts and ends, it's not going to stay in their routine for long. It certainly won't, you know, make them any friends. What about terminology? What about if somebody uses... So what if somebody uses an R word? S word. What if it's the best joke ever and the terminology's wrong? I still feel fine. I think there are a lot of uh, restrictions upon uh, that people are placing upon themselves because they're not thinking about it right. Any word is usable so long as you use it in the right way. So long as you're making a point, maybe laughing at yourself or laughing at a certain mentality, um, any word is allowable. Once we start taking words, what, out of the dictionary, then out of common usage, then we are restricting free speech. So for me, anybody can use any word so long as the context is right and they're trying to make the right point. In the Doug Anthony All-Stars, I get called the R word and it's in context. Uh, There was a venue, what are they called in Melbourne? The Malt House, who said, we've heard you use, you know, this very tricky language. We'd like to know before we put the show on that it's justifiable. And so we had to send a letter back saying, firstly, it's none of your business. And secondly, we have on stage people with 100 years of live comedy experience and there is nothing we will say that we're not happy to justify to anybody. It's interesting because a lot of people have different takes on that as well. My point with using that R word then, let's use that as the case study, is by using that in comedy allowing people in on the joke in the context that you're providing, is there some sort of idea that we're then allowing people to appropriate it into their language because they thought it was fine? Hang on, I heard the Doug Anthony All-Stars do it. Why are you being upset about it? Giving them the authority to use it. Yeah, if that makes sense, when they're able-bodied, don't have a right, if that that makes sense. I'm just sort of playing devil's advocate. Right. They would have to be a moron and a cold-hearted sociopath to say, oh, this gives me a license to use the word in any context I like. We know these are bad words, and so if you're going to use them, be sure you know why you're using them, what your point is. You know, the problem is there are a lot of stupid morons out there (laughs) who get around on social media and do it. Um, I'll tell you a joke that I did, Tim, they got me into trouble. When the North Melbourne football team were having a bit of a tough time, I I said that I I reckon I could get a kick for North Melbourne at the moment. And the three three responses were this. One, if you got the ball on the field, how would you even kick it? That's the joke. Two, do you genuinely think you'd be able to get the ball because you can't run? That's also the joke. And the third, and the third part was was which is what we're talking about here. Well, if you can make a joke about you not being able to kick, I can call you an R word, S word, idiot, like because you now give me the authority. And I was like, I should have done that. I, I would never say that about an individual. It was probably a bit of a dick move for me saying it about a team that wasn't going well. And I'll own that. And I probably won't do that again. But the absolute. I'm telling us, Angus. I'm talking like I went through and got like the worst tweets, and we did it on radio. It was like bad tweets. You didn't get it. And you're like, I can't. The whole point is, I can't kick it. It was just the interesting thing. I was like, wow, people don't really get the joke, do they? Mm. 
you just can't be responsible for how people hear something. Otherwise, you'd never say anything. I mean, everything is offensive. I remember going on uh, TV and encouraging people to drink milk. And somebody wrote in saying, what about the lactose intolerant? Okay, that was really insensitive. It's like of all the insensitive things I've said on television, drinking milk was right down the bottom. The main thing is, uh, which I tell the stand-ups that I teach, is so long as you know what you're saying. So if you get dragged up um, onto the listenable podcast and Dylan and Angus say, hang on, what was that joke about? You can actually say, oh, dirt guys, my intent was to pick on this or to highlight that. Yeah, you've got to have a point. I'd also like to add, obviously, Tim and I are both the same, but our word is gospel, you know what I mean? So, like, we have different opinions. I don't lose the R word personally, but I'm sure other people with disability would have different opinions on this. And the best way to figure out, if you've got a friend with disability, what you can and can't do, ask them. Ask your friend. Ask that person that you work with because that lived experience, they'll be able to tell you not everybody is the same. Tim would also like to thank all the morons who did buy his comedy album who helped pay for the bookshelf that was constructed today. That was mid-podcast um, mid construct. We actually, <laughs> we, we got a new, we're going to add to our um, podcast genre, um, yeah. construction management or whatever it is. We it? should, yeah, we should actually have like arts and culture, disability yeah. and construction. And construction, yeah. um, Definitely. Um, let's get into our ball of uncomfortable. Oh, now he's gone. I that, know. He did that in like 90 minutes. Good on him. Tim, we're going to do our Bowl of Uncomfortable. This is where people send us questions uh, about our guests, uh, usually a question that they wouldn't feel comfortable asking you as a stranger, but maybe give us the responsibility now that we've broken bread together um, to ask you. Uh, this one comes from Angus O'Loughlin. That's me. I've got one, my own one too, actually. Oh, cool. Well, uh, my question is you're a comedy uh, screenwriter. You've written Australian movies and TV shows. Uh, can you please tell me the worst Australian comedy show that's been written and why is it Wog Boys 3? The worst Australian comedy show that's been written. Man, there's, uh, there's, I don't want to name names, but I tell you what, as a general rule, uh, a comedy show that's got too much drama in it quite often is not funny. Mine's actually personal reflection of when I saw you once, Tim, because you used to live in St Kilda, correct? St Kilda? Yeah, yeah. If you don't mind me saying that. You not walked past a cafe... Called Itty Bitty. Remember where Itty Bitty is yeah, in yeah. St Kilda? And I was with my mate, I won't name him, and we were having a sandwich. And you were it was pre wheelchair, still walking stick, but you were struggling. And my mate said, Oh, that's so sad. You know, what a fall from grace. You know, <laughs> that kind of vibe. And I was pissed, right? Roughly so. But I wasn't full advocate Dylan guy. I was still young. I was like 21, 22. What's your response to when you hear something like that? Because obviously you're still doing stuff, but my response was to defend you and me. Like just because he walks different doesn't mean anything. He might be he might be stoked. He might be happy. He might be successful. When you hear that, how does it make you feel that someone thought that? But what's also the way that you respond to it? Yeah, I get a bit confused when I hear people, you know, find that sad because they've let it bring them down. Uh, maybe if I'd been a pole vaulter or an astronaut then, you know, getting MS might have been a problem that, you know, snatches away the career. Fortunately, I'm in the comedy business, so it just took changing gears a bit. Maybe the best thing is not that, oh, gosh, that's sad. Maybe the best thing is to say, gosh, that's frustrating because mm -hmm. I've seen how bad that guy can dance 
and it's hilarious <laughs> when he tries. Very good. So, yeah, yeah, for people to be sad at someone's disability, uh, have relationships in the world, uh, it's the same thing. You've got to be happy and positive because being miserable and uh, pessimistic uh, doesn't get you anywhere. What a great way to finish. Tim Ferguson. It was very well said. Was. We'll be clipping that one very up for the socials. We'll you know what you're doing. Uh, we'll have your links below uh, for anyone who wants to get in contact with you and talk comedy in Sydney. Hey, uh, or in Australia. You go, I know you do write, a lot of Zoom stuff as well. Can you write, write me in a script, Tim? Write me in, mate. I want to do some acting. I know we tried to do this years ago, and I we both we I stuffed it up basically. But I'm I'm retired. I'm washed up. I need a career, mate. That's right. Cool. I'll put you in the sketch. In fact, there's we're working on one where there's uh, yeah. In fact, it would work very well. Don't say it on this podcast. Keep it for yeah. us. So we and can you know, I, I also need representation as well. Wide able-bodied guy. No, you um, can get your own. Yeah, right? definitely. Well, more you guys me. never get a chance. <laughs> <laughs> just one time uh, Tim thank you so much uh, for great memories um, and thank you so much for coming on this podcast and talking about your your life with MS but also just your life in general it's just been it's been thrilling mate thank you thanks Angus and thanks Dylan you better enjoy that bookcase yeah, it better please. be the best bookcase you've ever seen yeah, send a, can you please send us a photo of the bookcase uh, I can send you a photo sure, yeah I'll take yeah. it send us a nice photo Sam, mate. thanks Tim thanks guys